Well, again, welcome to our series on the Holy Spirit. You can get your worship guides out and follow along for those of you who are taking notes. Uh, for those of you who are not taking notes, you can go ahead and get your worship guide out and take notes. Um, and then you can also follow along on version as well, and the bulletin is in there as well. And we're going to continue. This is part four of our series. How many of you have been, been here for virtually the whole series? You've been here. Good, 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 good. So um, this has been a surprise um, for me. I actually, in all honesty, I was a little nervous uh, to embark on a series like this. I'm very, um, you know, uh, cautious. I'm kind of a cautious, um, conservative Spirit-filled believer, so I'm always wanting to find uh, the balance and be careful to uh, communicate things the right way. One of the things that I pray and believe, um, I don't have a lot of gifts, but one of the gifts I have is the gift to take complicated things and make them simple. And so if I can't do that, I don't tackle it. So this is, uh, this is taking some effort behind the scenes to be able to unpack this subject of the person, the work, the works, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and uh, actually I've really enjoyed it and and uh, looking forward to the continuation. We're probably going to have two more installments of this, uh, just so you know. Next week, we're going to take a break. We have kind of a, a rock star in the faith that's going to be here with his wife, John and Helen Burns. They're doing our marriage retreat uh, this coming weekend, and then also be speaking on Sunday morning. So you don't want to miss these guys. Uh, they're from uh, Vancouver. Uh, they have a church, um, Relate Church, believe it or not, and um, just used all over the world, and we're just so blessed. They're kind of like uh, mentors to my wife and I. We're going to have a marriage retreat with them before we have a marriage retreat. So um, just awesome people. But then we'll continue the series in two more installments. We'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who want to know and see those kind of unpacked, make sense. Um, uh, i got to not say anything because I'll start, I'll start talking about it. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, specifically our prayer language or praying in the Spirit. Make that um, kind of life-giving and interesting. Kind of explain the whole tongues thing really, really clearly so everybody kind of gets it. Um, anyway, t- what we've done so far, just by way of review, is we've kind of, week one, debunked and, uh, and just kind of um, fixed and corrected all of the misinformation, misapplication, all the, you know, misinterpretations that people have had about the Holy Spirit. And then we kind of primarily wanted to share with you what the role of the Holy Spirit is, which is to come alongside us as our comforter and as our counselor and um, kind of a consultant to everyday life and help restore that which was lost at the fall of man in Genesis 3 and kind of bring back the dominion that man was supposed to have, be able to be an overcomer in this life and have authority over our circumstances versus being under our circumstances every single day of our life. And that's what he's there for. And then in week two, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit uh, is not an it or a force or just some kind of thing you know, or object, um, power, but he's a person. He has a personality, but he also has the characteristics of a person. He has thoughts, will, you know, feelings, desires, just like we do. And that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit uh, can move you. And, and, he wants to, he, and God wants us to have his thoughts and his feelings and his desires. And that can only happen in a relationship with him. And if we could see him as a person, one thing that's really awesome about the relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit is it sanctifies us. It's a big word, but it basically means you can be part of the world in it, living in it, but set apart in your hearts, not corrupted by it and destroyed by it. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit actually helps. The Bible says in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. What helps us guard our heart is relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. It's really hard to directly offend someone that you have a personal relationship with. 
I'm not saying you don't do it. It hasn't happened before. I haven't done it or it hasn't happened before. I'm just saying it's really hard to do that when you see the Holy Spirit as a person. It'll actually sanctify, purify, keep you on the track. You will sin less because you have a relationship that is personal with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then, amen? Come on, nice and strong. All right, so last week we talked about Pentecost. And, you know, is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? Are we Pentecostal? And it was kind of funny, but I was saying, no, we're like Baptocostal. Like, we have a little bit of everything. Um, Basically, we're not a part of any sect or select denomination, but there are things in each one that are biblical that we've embraced. And so if you, by Pentecostal, mean do we believe in relationship with the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, well then yes, then we're Pentecostal. But if you mean, you know, we, all the girls have to wear culottes and, you know, girls have to put their hair up in a bun, which is bondage, then no, we're not that, you know? So we talked about that a little bit last week. And, and we talked about that Pentecost, this big scary word, really just means 50. <laughs> 50, you know what I mean? And so the thing that we're scared of, you know, the traditions and the, and, the, and the cultural definitions, if you can put those all aside and just look at Pentecost for what it really is, it's really historically the giving of the law at Mount Sinai and at Pentecost, the fulfillment of it all through in the release of, and the initiation of the Holy Spirit to the world. So it's, we talked about that. Today, though, what I want to talk about is baptisms. Everybody say baptisms. I want to talk about Three different types of baptisms, but first, let's talk, uh, uh, look at the scripture that we've used a couple weeks in a row. Acts chapter 19, look in your notes, verse 1 and 2. Here's what it says. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Now, here's the context of what's going on in this particular chapter, Acts 19. This is way further down the road from Acts 10, obviously, numerically. But what you don't realize is that chronologically and in, in, in terms of years, it's 30 to 40 years after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost that we talked about last week. Is everybody still with me? And what's happened in that period of time since the Holy Spirit's been poured out on the early church there uh, is there's been a massive revival. Uh, churches are being planted all over the place, just like we were set so cool, just like we were celebrating two churches planted back-to-back right here in our region, which is amazing that people are coming to Massachusetts to plant churches. Blows my mind. But that's what's going on right there. So Excel Church and Action Church, you know, are, are popping up. But this is what's happening here in the early church. Churches are popping up in Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae. All the, and, and, there, and all the letters in the Bible are letters from these apostles to these little small uh, kind of um, waterfront uh, towns and cities to encourage these new churches that are springing up. And Apollos was dealing with the Corinthian church, and Paul was dealing with the church at Ephesus. And Paul was at Ephesus, and while he was there, he finds some disciples, or you could call them followers of Jesus, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? But their response was like many people's response in the body of Christ uh, and in the church today. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. In other words, I know about the Father, I know about the Son, but I don't know about this Holy Spirit. I'm not really sure about that. And so I'm going to teach you today. Last service, I kind of apologized, but people want sometimes to be taught. They want to know what's up with certain things. And this is going to be something that's really, really going to help you. And so what I want to do today is tell you all about 
uh, these different types of baptisms. And first, what you need to know is that in the word, baptism is applied, the word baptism is applied three different ways in the New Testament. And there are three distinct and different baptisms in the New Testament. And God has, um, an, um, it, baptized is like to immerse. There is an immersion process that God wants to take every single person through, like a journey that he wants to take every person through. An immersion or baptize, baptize means to immerse or to submerge someone. It could be in water, but it could also be to immerse someone or baptize someone into a belief, into a concept, okay? And so there are three applications of these, and they all stand alone as separate and distinct experiences in the Bible. And I want to give you all three of those this morning. This is going to clear up a lot of confusion for some people when it comes to this subject. The first baptism in your notes is baptism into salvation. Baptism of salvation. This is, or sometimes known as baptized into the body of Christ. I'm going to give you three scriptures here in just a second, but three different places where when you get saved, you get baptized into salvation. It's either stated in the scripture, baptized into Jesus or baptized into the body. When you see that baptized in the body, don't get confused by that. The body is talking about the family of God, the, the, the body of believers, the family of believers, uh, the spiritual, we call it a spiritual family here at the church. And what that's saying is when you get saved, when you come to Christ, we all become family because we all, in essence, receive, we're, come, we're part of the same bloodline. The blood of Jesus makes us one by faith. That's why scriptures in the New Testament use terms like the brother and sister and mother and father. You have spiritual father, spiritual mother, spiritual brothers and sisters. What makes us, what makes us united, one in spirit, is Jesus' blood. His shed blood for us that we've all received by faith at salvation, that it paid for my sins, it paid for the sins of the whole world. Now we become family. Does that make sense? Okay, some of you agree, some of you are just still going, hmm, I'll just wait and see, Pastor. But um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Now here's an interesting detail of this baptism, and then you need to know this. The Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes us into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is one who baptizes us into Jesus or into salvation. In actuality, the Holy Spirit is the one who convinces us, or you could say slash convicts us, of sin. You know when you've been doing something wrong and, and there's just something that goes, there's just a, there's like, a, like a traffic light inside you. Go, that's good, do it. Yellow light, red light. You know, or you could do the, the, you know, the devil and the angel on your shoulder. The, the Holy Spirit is the one that just says, don't do that. Don't do that. And sometimes we just turn the volume down on the Holy Spirit and we continue to go forward. And so when we ignore the Holy Spirit, then he'll use people, uh, emissaries of the Holy Spirit to go, hey, hey, hey. And maybe that's your wife, or maybe that's your father, or maybe that's a friend or whatever. And so the Holy Spirit could be speaking through people. And then when we ignore that, he uses circumstances. He didn't cause them, but he will leverage them. Don't touch the oven, you'll be burned. Then you touch the oven, you were burned. Then he teaches you, I told you not to touch the oven. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, he, he's always working to convince us that we're in the wrong direction to get us on the right direction. And we're in the right direction. He says, good, good, good. Keep going that way, keep going that way. Make sense? If you're a Christian, Galatians 3 says, you are all sons of God through faith. That's in your notes. Faith is salvation in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And again, this isn't water baptism. Uh, this is the salvation one. This is the family one. I believe 
that I believe strongly in spiritual family. We're going to talk about that tonight at C101. You want to know what spiritual family is all about? You need to come tonight at 530. That's what we're talking about. Sometimes spiritual family, which I believe everybody needs, anybody without a spiritual family is like an orphan. You don't want to do life alone. The lone danger is being the lone ranger. Okay? Culture may tell you you're going to be better off that way. Experience may tell you you're going to be better off that way. You are not better off that way. Everybody needs to be plugged into a spiritual family. And sometimes, and I have people that would stand to testify in either service in this church, sometimes your spiritual family will outlast and outperform your biological family. Because our families, all of ours, are dysfunctional and sometimes have destructive things going on in them. But when you become a part of the family, Jesus redeems all that brokenness and turns it around for good. Amen? Amen? So it's a big deal to be a part of a spiritual family. But salvation is what makes us one. Baptized into the body, salvation is what causes that. Now, there's a bonus scripture that's not in your worship guide, but it will be on the screen. John chapter 20, uh, verse 19 and following. This particular text is kind of cool. It's an example of the first people to experience this type of baptism. These were the early followers of Jesus. And what you need to know is, first, Jesus lived on the earth, as you know. Then he lived a sinless life. Then he died to pay for our sins. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, Romans 6.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. All right? So Jesus did all that for us. But then he rose on the third day. He was resurrected. And after he was resurrected, he revealed himself to people all over the area for 40 days. And we spoke a little bit about this week, last week, the importance of that. And he did all that in order to build their faith so there wouldn't be any doubt or question that he was who he says he was and that he did what he said he was going to do. He's alive. He's alive. And then after that, he gives these final instructions to his disciples. He doesn't say go. He says wait. The final words of Jesus were not go, The final words of Jesus were, wait. Wait for what? Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And and, and, and this all happened, you know, uh, before he ascended, between when he ascended and Pentecost is really when this scripture is going on. In John chapter 20, here's what happens. Verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked. Everybody remember that. The doors were locked. I hear music in my brain. goes, dum, dum, dum. And for fear of the Jews. So here's what's happening. Jesus, at this particular time, you know, has not popped up on the scene yet. <laughs> That's going to be funny in a second. And he, um, everybody's afraid because, you know, if they're associated with Jesus and Jesus was just crucified, maybe they'll be crucified, maybe they'll be punished. And so they're hiding from the Jews for fear. A similar thing will happen to them. Understand the context of this text, okay? And so on the evening of the first day, when the disciples were together, with the, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Snap, crackle, pop, he just shows up. You understand? Like, he didn't open the door. Nobody said, hey, ding dong, come on in. No, he just, he just appears. It's a miracle. And what's, what's funny to me, I don't know if it's funny to you, but when that happens, he says, peace be with you. All right? So it's like a ghost just shows up in the middle of the room. It's freak out central in there. And then he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. In other words, he's saying, it's me. Don't freak out. Chill out. Relax. It's me. And they're just all freaking out. I don't know. I just think that's funny. A few people don't think that's funny. That's all right. 
But after he said this, then he goes, see, see, don't freak out. Look at my hands. Oh, look at my side. This is where they pierce me right, right through my heart so that it stopped beating. Yep, look at my feet. And he's, he's, he's showing them the signs that he is. He's, he's Jesus. The disciples then were overjoyed. Now they go from freak out to, you know, let's party. You know what I mean? Celebrate. You know, music's playing. They're going crazy. And then Jesus says, calm down, calm down. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Okay? As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then he says something cool. He says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is misinterpreted a lot of times. People think Jesus went, <laughs> that's not what happened. That's not what happened. That word breathe on them is the, is the Greek word pneuma. Pneuma. It basically means he released spirit and power on them. The same word is used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when, when the Holy Spirit came upon the earth and all the creation was beginning to take place. It's the same word. Spirit and power hit the earth. The waters were formed, the lights in the sky, the fowl of the air, the beasts of the field, all that. Happened. Same word. Are you tracking with me, everybody? It literally means power and spirit came out of him. So here's the deal. And just remember this. You might want to write this down. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, but it's Jesus that gives us the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a second. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. We can't come to Christ if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw us and convince us we need him. Jesus is the one who gives us the Holy Spirit, okay? Let me say that again to be clear. The baptism in the body of Christ is the baptism that Holy Spirit performs, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the baptism that Jesus performs. A bonus scripture is Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist said this. John the Baptist said this, okay? He said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit? Jesus does. John 1.33 also says, but he who sent me to baptize with water, speaking of John, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So cool. There's talking about Jesus. John the, John the Baptist saying, when you see the Spirit like a dove, by the way, it doesn't say the dove like a spirit. It says the Spirit like a dove. Very important distinction. Descending and remaining. That's a great definition, by the way, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends on us and remains. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, descend, but not remain. Saul, a great story in the Bible, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He began to prophesy. It was as if he was another man. He was hiding in the baggage at one time, afraid of all the people, even though he was a head taller and the people's choice and all these things that everybody thought. He didn't think it. He had a fear of man. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was a different person. But what's different about the old and the new is the Holy Spirit left and he went back to that same old person. In the New Testament, we have, by faith, the ability to receive the Holy Spirit, descend upon us and remain and remain. This is good preaching. I just want you to know. All right. Some other bonus texts are Mark chapter 1. If you're interested, verse 8, Luke 3, 16. I won't do those right now, but back to John 19. John 19. So here's what happens when Jesus breathes on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. That's actually when they got saved, these disciples. This is interesting for you to know. Why? Because they couldn't get saved before that because sin hadn't been paid for yet. The, they were followers, but not saved. Salvation, here, here's, here's a simple way to put it. Before Christ, salvation was a, a what. After Christ, salvation was a who. What? Before Christ, salvation was what you did. 
your works, trying to keep the law. After salvation, it's who you know who kept the law for you. Big difference. So how do we receive it? We receive it by faith, and they hadn't received it yet, so Jesus introduces that to them. He, they received it. It's important to know when you get saved, you do get the Holy Spirit. That's what's really key about this particular text and others. When you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. The group of people who say you don't have the Holy Spirit when you get saved, let me just tell you something. This is my church, and I'm the pastor. They're nuts, and that's judgmental. Okay? So I'm just going to say what I think on that one, okay? Well, you got saved, so you don't have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit. No, you got the Holy Spirit when you got saved, okay? But when you study, you need to look at some of these other stories. So if you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll clarify even more in a minute. When you study some of these stories, there are oftentimes, it's kind of fun, is to look at other accounts where you can get other details, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. Basically what that means is there's similar truths and facts and stories inside them, but they all have different details. And in, in seminary, they teach you what's called the harmony of the scriptures. In fact, in fact I actually have a Bible. It's a, it's a, uh, it has the harmony of the gospels Bible. So when you're reading an account from Matthew, you can see the similarities in the book of Luke and some of the distinctions and differences and details. Does that make sense so far? So sometimes you can look at like this text and you can see another one and get some new details. So that's what I'm going to do with you in just a second. So there's another um, in the Synoptic Gospels, in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, it references this whole thing, and there's some new details. Verse 49 of Luke 12, connected to John, what we just read, he says this, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. So Jesus is talking here, future tense, it hasn't happened yet. Wait a second, I thought they already received the Holy Spirit, Derek. Nope, just hang on to that thought. But stay in the city until, it hasn't happened yet, you have been clothed, Notice, not filled, but baptized is the word here. It means to be fully immersed with power from on high. That's what it says in Luke 12, 49. Again, Luke wrote this, and he's the same author who wrote the book of Acts, which I'll reference now. He adds a new detail in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs. Again, so now he's the same, another scripture with similar points. Look at my hands, look at my feet, look at my side, all this kind of stuff. He did this to show that he was alive and appeared to them over a period of 40 days. He spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, the one occasion is the one we just read about in John. We just read about in Luke. I hope you're still tracking with me. While he was eating with them, he gave this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say, wait. Wait for the gift of my Father, which was promised, which you have heard me speak about. When did we hear you speak about it? Well, you spoke about it in those two other examples. You spoke about it in John 14, 15, and 16, as we talked about in the series. Jesus is the one who introduced the Holy Spirit. Then he says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, again, future tense, hasn't happened yet, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is pre-Pentecost. Now, Again, I th wait a second, Pastor. I thought they already were baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, you receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, but it's a different and distinct baptism, which I'll unpack yet. They just experienced, in essence, the first baptism, the baptism into Jesus, the baptism into the body of Christ. When you get this baptism, 
um, you receive the infilling, but you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, has not come upon you. You're going to see in just a second this distinction even more clearly as we go forward. Because throughout the Bible, I'm just telling you, they are separate and distinct experiences. And we call, in, in, in Christendom, we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit a second work of grace. And baptism into the body of Christ a first work of grace. Okay? We talk about this in 201, by the way. In other words... Being filled with the Spirit is like, um, I heard one, one pastor friend of mine say, it's like putting water in a glass. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is like putting that glass filled with water in a swimming pool. It's just different. Uh, my dad would use this analogy. He'd say, um, John 14, 17, I think was the, the word, the scripture he used for this. He'd say, um, baptism in the Holy Spirit is like this. Son, when you were a kid, you had a lunchbox I used to have one of those Star Wars lunchboxes with Chewbacca on the front of the thing. Metal ones, you know, with the little clip and the big thermos inside. It was awesome. And um, peanut butter and jelly, white bread, all wrapped up in the clear bag. It was the bomb. And chocolate milk. Anyway, but I, he said, I make you this. When you, when you have that lunchbox, you go to school with your lunch. It's with you everywhere you go. But when you get to the cafeteria, you open your lunchbox and you eat it. Now your lunch is in you. The Holy Spirit's with you, but he will be in you. They're separate and distinct, okay? They're just different. I don't know how to do it much better than that. Number two, water baptism is the second baptism. This is baptized into water. I've done a lot of teaching on this in the past. We uh, publicly water baptize. We believe your decision to be a follower of Christ is a personal decision, but it was never meant to be private. One of the ways we make the decision that we made personally private, I mean public, is through water baptism, through water baptism. And again, this is not salvation. Water baptism is a separate baptism. It's a separate and distinct experience. Let me tell you why. Because if you need water baptism to be saved, then it is no longer by grace than, that you have been saved. It would now be by works. Are you tracking out there? And so people that tell you that you have to be water baptized to be saved are nuts and judgmental. I'm the pastor. I'm just telling you the truth, Okay. All right? So, in other words, they, they, they go hand in hand, not as one event. They're separate. And, and you can't do any works to be saved. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells us that explicitly. Our works, the Scripture even tells us, are like filthy rags. Why would Christ do all that he did for us then to turn around and try to earn it? it we can't do it that way. So, I've, I've, I've heard people, you know, teach this kind of stuff, and it's crazy. I actually heard one guy... Um, in a counseling appointment, he, his theology was all messed up and he had all kinds of problems because of bad church experience and bad doctrine and, and, ju and just, ugh, it was just a big mess. But I can remember him coming to me and basically saying that he was taught that he wasn't saved if he, if he, if, if he didn't get water baptized. In fact, he was also taught, by the way, we have a baptismal, there's a pool right back here if anyone wants to swim after church. Um, but we baptized right back here. But he was getting baptized one time, and he, he was told by his pastor that he wasn't baptized because the guy said the words wrong. And therefore, he wouldn't have eternity with God. I said, wait a second, time out, wait a second, time out. You're telling me because you got, you got baptized after you got saved, you did what they said, but because the guy said the words wrong, you're going to go to hell? He said, yeah, that's my problem. I feel like I'm getting... I'm like, oh, dude, 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 time Wait a second. You're saying... You got down there in the water, and you don't know what's going on because you're underwater. And the guy above you says the words wrong, and then 
just, I'm just tracking, make sure I got this right, buddy. One day you die, you go to heaven, you're like, God, you know, I'm coming on in. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't come in. Why? I mean, believe in you. But nope, the guy down there said the words wrong when you got baptized. You can't come in. Do not pass go. Go directly to hell. Come on, people. Anyway, water baptism doesn't save you, but it does declare that you have been saved. I call it like the wedding band of Christianity. It's, it's, not, it's the sign and the seal to whom you belong. Are you guys tracking with me? It's an important step. It's a cutting away of the old life. It's burying your old life into a wat- symbolically into a watery grave. But we believe it's more than just a symbol or a memorial. We believe that is that the spirit of Jesus is there and he enables you to kind of cut off that old life. The something about going public is powerful. If I just tell my wife I love her privately, just me and her, whatever, but then publicly I'm ashamed of her, that's a very different thing. But when I am publicly unashamed of my affection and love for my wife and that I belong to her and nobody else, it's a whole different ballgame. Are you guys tracking with me there? Some of you husbands and wives, hope you're paying attention to that. It's a good point. So it's the wedding band of Christianity. Matthew 28 says, therefore go and make disciples. That's the first baptism of all nations, baptizing them. Here's the second one in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now here's the third baptism. And in every case as is seen in the Bible, it's rarely... Um, you see all these things at the same time. They're usually, a, there's a progression to these. So you have baptism in the body of Christ or to Jesus, water baptism, now baptism in the Holy Spirit, or you could say spirit baptism. Now, again, if you're saved, the baptism you have, you, you, you're saved, the Holy Spirit is with you. But there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit as well. And this is where things sometimes get complicated and confusing. And primarily, it's because of man, not because of God's word. Man overcomplicates and God oversimplifies. So if it's not clear, it's usually because of man. He confuses us. And, and, and because, man, because man gets weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. Man is weird. People are weird. Don't look around right now. Wouldn't be a good idea right now to look around, Okay. People are weird. See, some people say, I'm good with God the Father. You know what I mean? I understand the Father, and I need to have a relationship with Dad. You know, and we kind of figure that out. And the Bible says, Abba, Abba, and Daddy, Daddy. And we hear different stories. like, okay, I get that. And the Son, you know, Jesus, you know, he's our intercessor. He's our mediator. You know, he's, he's, our, he's our friend, you know, and, you know, he's our champion. And we get, you know, Jesus is, you know, it's like the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right with me. We're cool with that. I'm cool with Jesus, and I'm cool with God the Father, but I don't know about this Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost! You know, I don't know about that. Because man has complicated it and made it weird. Amen? And so the second baptism, we're cool with that. Maybe. Some of us haven't taken that next step because we don't understand it or because we don't see its importance. And I'm telling you, it's very, very important. Uh, many of us have made that, had that experience, that first baptism, but I don't know about this third baptism. I want to introduce you appropriately to this third baptism so you can kind of see it right. You would be somewhat correct that you do not need this third baptism, in a sense. You are correct. You don't need it to get to heaven. The third baptism is about earth. See, Jesus came 1 Timothy 2.5, the mediator between God and man. There was sin that separated us, and the only thing that could make that bridge connect, only thing that could create a path for us to be in right standing with God eternally, ultimately, forever, and always, would be what Jesus did for us. And the water baptism is just a sign of what happened. But baptism in the Holy Spirit is about earth. 
What's going to help us bring back that which we lost in the beginning when God created this whole thing perfect? What's going to bring that back so we can get through this crazy nuts world successfully? The baptism of the Holy Spirit was what that was all about. That's why Jesus went to great lengths to introduce them the right way. Jesus is about heaven. The Holy Spirit is about earth. And I want to convince you of some of the benefits. A bonus text from Acts chapter 8, verse 5 says this, Philip went down to the city in Samaria, and he proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip, he was an evangelist, powerful guy, great preacher. They saw the miraculous signs he did, and they paid close attention. Most people pay close attention when you see signs. It, real, real stuff should attract people. To, they listened to what he said, and with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and cripples were healed. But when they believed, everybody say believed. believed. That was the first baptism, by the way, because you have to believe to be experience the baptism into Christ. Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom and of the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. So that was the second baptism, baptism in water, both men and women. Now skip down. Now I'm going to um, uh, go to verse 14 of that same chapter. Acts 8 is a great text for you to be able to see the distinctions in these three baptisms, okay? Acts 18.14 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem... They basically get a telegram from Samaria, a text, a tweet, or something that told them, hey, there's some crazy stuff going on. Philip, all these stuff's happening. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. You ought to go over there. And so they send the big dogs, Peter and John, to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive, what? The Holy Spirit. Now, wait. I thought they already had the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit with them in the baptism of Christ, but they're clearly speaking about a different and distinct experience here in Acts chapter 8. So uh, the first two baptisms have taken place. Why? Well, look what it says. It says, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then look, at this is really cool and really important that you see this. Then Peter and John placed their, laid their hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to teach this, but sometimes people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit corporately. Sometimes, and my experience has also taught me, and I'll share a story in a little while, you receive it by yourself, just hungry. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And sometimes, and most occasions, people receive it when there's a laying on of hands. There's a transfer by faith and people who have it can give it away. So the, and the Holy Spirit is there, and he honors that. So I want you to see that all of us, in essence, are on a journey, a progression. These baptisms really demonstrate a journey that we're all on. I don't know where you're at in your journey. Maybe you haven't experienced the first baptism. Maybe you're stuck after the first baptism because you don't understand the second. Maybe you're after the second, and you're like, whoa, 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 I know Jesus you know, and I'm good with the water dunk thing, but I don't know about the Holy Spirit thing. This is a journey that he wants to take us all on, and I want you to see that. It's just part of your growth. In my opinion, the devil has duped us, blinded us, and he's a master at keeping the benefits of the Holy Spirit at bay. Here's another bonus text, 1 John 5, verse 7. For there are, this is really cool. So you can see that there is always... There's not only a connection between Old Testament and New Testament, there's a connection between heaven and earth. There's things in heaven that will be revealed on earth. It says this, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Everybody say heaven. heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Now the Father, we all know, the Word is Jesus. John 1.1, 1, 1. John 1.14 1, says the Word is Jesus in the flesh, okay? And the Spirit. Now this is referring clearly to the Trinity, 
If I was to survey this room, most people in this room wouldn't have a problem with the Trinity. You probably all believe in the Trinity. Trinity, you probably, wouldn't, you probably think it's sacrilege to push against it. You probably wouldn't be here if you didn't. But then it goes on to say there's this, there's this connection between heaven and earth. And there are three that bear witness on earth. Everybody say on earth. So you're going to see this connection. Heaven came down. Here, here it is. A, a, a heavy revy from heaven to earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. See, this is representative of the three baptisms. And these, the Bible says this, and these three agree as one. They're all critical to you and your spiritual development. And I'm just trying to get you to see the importance of not just the, the transcendence of this truth, but the journey of these three things. And if you want to go deeper, some of you like to go deep, 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 and you wish that I go deeper all the time, but this same progression that we see in the New Testament is in the Old Testament. You see it in the portable church that was in the wilderness, you know, the mobile church, the tabernacle that was in the wilderness there. There were three, there were three things before you encountered all that God was. There were three uh, steps to embracing or experiencing God. When you would come into the tabernacle, the first thing you would do is you'd come to the brazen altar. And there have to be a sacrifice, the shedding of blood, symbolic of the cross. There was a shedding of blood. It's the first baptism. And then there was a laver where you washed your hands. This is symbolic of the water baptism, a cutting away of the old stuff, cleaning those old things that are in the way of our lives. And then there was the candlestick and the oil, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And you stepped after that. When you received the Holy Spirit, you stepped into the Holy of Holies. It's these symbols, heaven, earth, Old Testament, New Testament, are everywhere, everywhere. And these examples are cover to cover. But if I was to summarize this and make it super simple, and this is in your notes, but the first baptism is this. When I get saved, I become a new person. In other words, um, it's like the old ovens. You know, we don't just have the push start. We didn't have to use the push start ones like we do today or the microwaves. The old ovens, if something wasn't working, you'd get down underneath and you pull a little thing out and you look underneath there and you see if the pilot light was on. Is anybody tracking with me? So we're, we're, we're made in God's image, tripart, spirit, mind, body. Our mind and our body, when we're coming to this earth, is alive. But our spirit is dormant. What, what turns the pilot on is what's called regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Big doctrinal term. But it just basically means when you invite Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit is the one who turns that pilot light on so that all parts of you are alive. And more importantly, you, you become this new person, and this is what it means. Your spirit now can have leadership or jurisdiction over your tripart being. It becomes king of the hill. By faith, we receive that. Does that make sense to some of you guys out there? Okay, so when you get saved, you're a new person, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. When I get baptized, that old person goes down into the, that kind of symbolically into that watery grave, and my, I'm cutting off that old life. I'm walking away from that old person that I once was. I'm now going to begin to walk in the new. And that old life is buried. Romans 6, 4 talks about that old life buried. When I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, now I am empowered to live that new life every day. That's really what's happening in the three baptisms. Is that good? Okay. You're going to have to convince me a little better next time, but I think it was pretty good. The question is, why do I need this? Why do I need this? Because, this is what I believe with all my heart, because I believe God designed you and me. We're like, how do I say this? We're spiritual beings having a human experience. He designed us to live spirit-empowered lives. In other words, he didn't want us as Christians 
to fill our brains with so much information that we'll be able to win any argument with everybody. I'm just telling you, you're going to meet your match with somebody someday. Even, on, even, on a, even in the spiritual realm, even the angels didn't even try to do that with Satan. Satan knew the word. Satan can quote the Bible left and right. One time, you know, he's facing one of the, one of the archangels, and the archangel didn't say, you know, uh, that's wrong. I need to tell you this. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He just put his trust and his confidence in God, not in himself. So God never designed us on, in heaven or on earth to put our confidence in our own abilities, in our own strength, in our own knowledge, because it's limited. But the Holy Spirit makes our, empowers us to live with unlimited access to an infinite God and help us deal with this finite world and all its problems and all its situations. He always wanted the church to operate with power and with boldness, with love, fruit, and to be supernaturally fueled. But sometimes because of the packaging, people packaging in particular, the abuses and misuses by people, we run from it. And I think we need it so bad because that world out there and the mission that we're called to live and the church is called to be a part of, which many of us are grasping that. As you grow in Christ, you realize the best thing for me to do to deal with my problems is be introduced to a bigger problem, and that is what God is up to on the earth. And my problems diminish and go away when I sign up for whatever he's up to. And when you realize what that assignment is, you realize you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You can't. And so why didn't, you know, God lump all this whole thing together? When we got saved, why don't we just get the Holy Spirit? Because, because they're different and they're distinct because one was about eternity and another one was about earth. And you don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in eternity because you're going to be with God. You won't need it. We talked about that on Sunday night. So they're separate and they're important. I, I want to share another personal example with you and, and then I'm going to give you a few things to take home with. But I, I saw a lot of the extremes in the, the charismatic zoo, the who's who in the charismatic zoo. I saw a lot of that. Some of you in this room saw a lot of that. Tabitha grew up with me in the church. I just thought of that. And, and I saw some of the kooky, and I did see some of the cool, though. I really did. I saw some real stuff, some genuine article. But I definitely saw some of the crazy. And, and I, when I was in college, I was kind of confused. Like, I, I would vacillate back and forth what I believed, what I thought, and I just had to kind of be reintroduced kind of with a blank page. I encourage you, don't take my word for it, but, but would, you, would you embrace the Holy Spirit, the subject, the person, all the things we're talking about with a blank page? Just read your Bible for yourself. Just start over. Start over. See what you think. I ended up going to a, uh, actually, believe it or not, a charismatic college in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had it all. All the cool, all the kooky, everything. Everybody from all over the place, all over the world came in. It was unbelievable. Sometimes awesome, sometimes crazy. I was one time invited at 19 years old to a, a, a Sunday night service. They called it Vespers. It was the, it was the college kid service. And um, I remember walking in um, to this particular service, and, and the worship was much like it is here at Connect today. And because of that experience, I have an extreme sensitivity to what it must be like for a person for the first time to come into church here because uh, it was very spirited. People were like either on something or really happy. And I thought, you know, what kind of Kool-Aid are they drinking or, you know, they're on, whatever. And even though I had kind of like a, a subtle resistance to it or whatever, at the same time I was drawn to it because I, I, I was like, this is, this is real, but I just didn't know. And, you know, I, I saw what the Bible said in Psalms about, you know, clap your hands and shout to God. And all kinds of, but I just thought there was poetry. You know, I didn't realize you'd do that, you know. And so, but 
That's why I had that sensitivity today. I, I was a little afraid of it, but I was drawn to it. Later on, this speaker came up. He was an evangelist. He was actually a TV evangelist as well. He was used by God in miracles. And I could tell you some unbelievable stories. You probably wouldn't believe me. He supposedly raised a kid from the dead, you know, and um, just some unbelievable stories. But I actually got to be around this guy ultimately. But in this particular experience, he preached. I thought he was incredible. And at the end, he decided to pray for people. And this is where it got freaky. He he uh, says, I want to pray for some of you guys to receive the Holy Spirit, whoever wants the Holy Spirit. Everybody else seemed really comfortable with this except me. And so they started lining up all these people on the front of the church. I mean, it was a lot of kids, a lot of kids. And he, he was on that end praying for people, and I was all the way on the other end, very reluctant to get into this particular line, if you know what I'm talking about. And so he lined them up, and he starts to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what he's saying. And one by one, they started to fall down. Oh, now I'm really starting to sweat, and uh, my heart rate starts going up, and I'm on this end, and, I'm, and, and we're supposed to be closing our eyes, like raising our hands. He told us what to do, and I just kept going like this. You know, and I'm watching people back behind trying to catch people, and they're panicking and, and all this kind of stuff. It was crazy, and I, and I am sweating buckets. Everybody else is like, just yes, Lord. You know, and, and basically, in my head, I'm thinking, he ain't going to knock me down. Like, homie, don't play that. Like, I, I was thinking about how I'm going to brace myself, and I'm just getting ready. Like, you know, I'm like, line it up. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know? What I mean? And <laughs> I, am, I am just freaking out. And so he, every single person falls down. There's one of two reasons they all fell down. One is they're totally surrendered and submitted, and the power of God was honestly just impacting their lives. And others were just like going along with the show, and that's what you do. And, that's, and I've seen both of those things in all my years and all my experience and all my exposure, the real and, and the sincere and the not so real and the exhibitionistic and the extreme. Some of you have too. And anyway, ideally it would have been better if I was surrendered, but I wasn't. And, um, and I, just, I was just totally braced, and he got to me. And I remember him placing his hand on my head kind of strong, and I felt like my head went back like 17 inches, you know, like this. But I was like, no! (laughs) So that, man. (sighs) (sighs) You know what I mean? I was like, boss bowed up. And so he did it again. It was like, (sighs) 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 (sighs)
And right there, driving my truck, I just said, I want more. If it's real, if you're there, I want more. I, I, I don't know what, I don't even know what I need to do to get it. I just asked him for it. I just remove any of the barriers in my life, the prejudice, the fear, all that kind of stuff. And all I can say is, this is my story. You don't have to believe it. I don't really care. The Holy Spirit came into that little cab truck that I was in. I was 19 years old, stick shift. I had to downshift and pull over because it was so tangible, the presence of God. I began to cry uncontrollably. This has happened many times since. I felt joy, unspeakable joy, as the Bible says. And then what may freak you out, I don't care, this is my story, this is what happened. I began to speak in a prayer language, an unknown language. I began to pray in the Spirit. Now, I wasn't a little boy, I got it when I was like six years old at a church in Natick. But I only had like four words. And I said those four words for like four years. And nothing else happened. And eventually it just shut down. I didn't get any more. But there in that truck, I just began to declare the wonderful works of God and, in English. And then eventually it became a prayer language. And I began to pray in the Spirit. And I was instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I began to actually get like vision about my future as a pastor, as a leader to many, many people. And actually, you're actually sitting here as the fulfillment of things that God showed me in that truck at 19 years old. It's unbelievable. I was a different person after that. I was bold. I won, I won every girl that I ever dated to Christ. All my best friends and people that were not following Christ got on fire for Jesus because of that. And I began to relate to him daily on a relationship had a relationship with him. And I could go into the details, but that's what I'm desperate for, is the authentic, sincere outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life as an individual and upon our church. I want a place where people can connect with the Holy Spirit without encumbrance, without doctrinal crud, without fear, without religious prejudice, just sincere pursuit of God. And I want to assist you in creating a climate where that can happen. But I would say this. I had to come to this place where I didn't make a back step and bow up. I didn't, like to say, my, my family says, bow my neck and resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. He's what you need most. What you need most. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No mind is conceived, no ear is heard what God has prepared for those that he loves. I think many people pass up divine encounters because they're satisfied with what their mind can understand. And hey, everybody, I just want you to know something. There's more than what you are experiencing right now. A lot more. Ephesians 5 says that we're to not be drunk with wine. That's the world's solution. Get drunk, filled with spirits. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, everybody say the Holy Spirit. Because if we're filled with wine, that leads to debauchery, which just basically means an out-of-control life where you're just led by your loins and your lusts and all the allurements of this world. But the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit. So here's, here's your notes. I'll fill these in for you real fast. What do I do now? Remove the barriers. That's what I did. Just be a blank page and go to God as a blank page. Don't be deceived or pressured by man, but be invited by God. You're not a second-class citizen if you don't get this and you don't want this, but you can live a level of citizenship because you have received all the charis of God, all the grace and divine enablements of God. Acts 2.38 says, 
Peter replied, repent, first baptism. Be baptized, second baptism. And every one of you in the name of the Lord Christ for forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, all of you, editorially, your children, those of you after, and for all who are far off, whoever the Lord himself will call. Remove the barriers, request the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you do? You just ask him for it. That's what we're going to do in just a minute. We're going to ask him for it. (coughs) Because it's not by might, it's not by power, but by his Spirit that we can live this life. And how do you get it? You receive it just by faith. How did you receive salvation? By faith. That's how you receive it. How do I get it? Remove the barriers, request. Just receive by faith the gift of the Holy Spirit. Almost everything you have to do with God requires a risk. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. Faith, it's supernatural. Super on top of natural. It's not natural. It's not going to all fit up in here. It can only be comprehended by God. And God wants, do you want a God to operate in the size of your brain? I know I don't. Ezekiel has this story where a guy walks up to a river, he's ankle high, and then he's knee high, and he's waist high. And I'm paraphrasing the snot out of this particular scripture, but it's, it's accurate. And there's a point where he just releases to the river of God. Water takes him from underneath his feet and just the river carries him. The Bible says it's in that place that it's teeming with life. There's a whole life in Christ that you have yet to experience because you won't let go of control. You won't swim in the deep end. And God wants to invite you to swim in the deep end. Maybe today. Number four, relate to him daily. I encourage you I pray in the Spirit every single day. Not on this microphone, maybe on Sunday mornings, but I want you to know something. I pray in the Spirit every single day of my life. Really? Absolutely. Probably 10 to 20 minutes a day minimum. It's changed my life. It's encouraged me. It's, it's, it's strengthened me. It's exhorted me. I want you to know that. I want you to know the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I want Him to be with you always. We're just going to ask the team to come, my leaders worship team, etc. I want to do something. I want to pray with you guys. It's going to be a little extended for some. Um, would you just stand to your feet with me, please? Let me say something to you real quick. If you have not experienced the first baptism, I'm going to pray for you in just a second. If you've not invited Christ into your life, that's your first step. If you have... Your next step is to get water baptized. You you don't have to get water baptized and not receive the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying that it's time. It's time. If If God's been working on your heart through the course of this message, like, okay, I get it. The wedding band of Christianity, I get it. Um, I need to go public. Just fill out that connection card today and just say, I want to be baptized. We'll follow up with you. We'll make sure you get the necessary tools and resources to make it make sense to you. But it's time for some of you to get water baptized today. It's not only the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to make a decision and a commitment to be water baptized. It's important to go public with your faith and see what God does when you do it before witnesses. But many of you are at a place now where that's happened and it's time to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you understand it and God's been kind of knocking on your heart. I'm just telling you, I can't do it without him. I could not be standing here today. I say this with complete sincerity if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. He's my best friend. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't have wisdom in certain situations. I wouldn't have the grace for certain situations, that's for sure. I wouldn't have the power to face certain situations. And I'm, I'm sad sometimes how many times I 
give the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Heisman, keep him at a distance from me. I invite you to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. But first, let's just close your eyes. I want to pray for those of you who are here this morning. And you know you need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You know you need to experience that first baptism. I'm not going to wait or just kind of pussyfoot around. I'm going to make it real clear. Today is the day of salvation for you. And if you know you need to give, get saved and give Christ your, your life, there's no promise of tomorrow. Are you ready to do that? Between me, you, and God, would you raise your hand good and high and say, I need to come to Christ today. I don't want to walk out of here without help. Good and high. Don't mess around. He won't mess around with taking your life out either. Thank you. The enemy hates you. God bless you. God bless you over there. Is there anybody else? It's miss, don't miss God. Thank you. All the way to the back. God bless you. God bless you. Church, would you just pray with me as these people commit their life to Christ? If you raise your hand, I want you to say this sincerely from your heart. And those of you who have already said this, just, just pray. As you're saying this, you're refreshing your salvation. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I mean it. I'm coming to you. I know that you died for my sins, past, present, and future. And by faith, I receive salvation. You are my Savior. I decide today to make you my Lord as well and give you the wheel of my life and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person that prayed that prayer, I pray that seed is planted and rooted in their life. May the enemy not come in and steal that God. Their name, let them know that it's not... If they sin tomorrow, they haven't lost their salvation. They've just lost intimacy. They're saved. Their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. They just repent quickly and get right back up again. Thank you, Jesus. Lead them on their journey of faith in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here, every eye, every eye closed, every head bowed. Just If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you know he's knocking on the door of your heart, that you need to take that next step. And you know... There was something when I was talking that says, I'm desperate. There's got to be more. There has to be more. And it's in and it's found in relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do something totally different. I'm going to ask you to do something totally different. You don't have to, but if you want to, I want you to come out of your seat. I want you to come right down front here to be prayed for. We're going to lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit. If you want to do that, come on. You know there's more. You want more. You're not messing around. You want, you want more of what God has for you. You want power. You want love. You want the fruit of the Spirit. You want the gifts of the Spirit at work in your life. You can just come on down, okay? And as they're coming, we're going to be worshiping. You can just fill right in here. The altar's right here. We had about 50 to 60 people last service come down here, flood the altars. The services went over. And so what I'm going to do in just a few minutes is I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to dismiss you so you're free to go. Don't spectate. Please participate, okay? So I'm going to pray for uh, this service to conclude, and then we're going to worship. Anytime during the worship service you want to come down and be prayed for, nothing spooky, nothing weird. We're just going to lay hands on you, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray with you. And then I'm just going to invite you to kind of raise your hands and just surrender to him and just ask him. Remove all the barriers. Request the Holy Spirit. Receive him by faith. You know, relate to him every single day as we go forward in Jesus' name. Let's just pray. Everybody pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the service. I thank you for the anointing that's present in this room. I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray in Jesus' name for every heart that's here today. Anybody that feels some kind of barrier or boundary, anybody that's just afraid, anybody that has something that's kind of getting in the way, would you remove the barriers and walls in Jesus' name? And I pray for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit to be here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Listen, if you gave your heart to Christ, please fill out a connection card or you want to be baptized.